0: Hi, hey, this is Femmes Like Us. I'm Stevie. And I'm Mariah. And today we're going to share with you our interview with author Olivia Janais. So, Mariah, you know Olivia from a very particular writing context, right? Yes,
1: indeed. Uh, I know her through the fanfiction world. Olivia writes uh, both fan fiction and original works, um, all of which are focused around lesbian storylines. And uh, so she and I know each other on the interwebs um, through fan fiction community. Uh, we are both swan queen fan fiction writers, which... For those of you not in the know, which is probably most of you, is around the TV show Once Upon a Time, Emma Swan and the Evil Queen slash Regina Mills, femme slash fan fiction. Um, Fan fiction, as I think a lot of people uh, conceive of it, is like super fun, super fluffy, lots of sex. Yes, it is. It is also a place for people to reclaim identities and storylines that don't get seen in mainstream media and to see ourselves represented in ways that we never get to be in TV shows and movies, um, at least up until now. And so I think that as you listen to Olivia talk about her various characters that she spends a lot of time with and how she uh, creates them and conceives of them, I would encourage you to keep in the back of your mind why don't we see characters like this in mainstream media? And what is, um, and, and what the difference is when we create our own narratives?
0: Yeah, you'll also hear Olivia talk a little bit about sort of trends in fanfiction writing over time, which I found really interesting. Um, as I don't read fanfic, but I read a About fanfic from a theoretical perspective. So um, it was cool for me to actually sit down and and chat with someone who writes in that genre and look at what she has observed in terms of these uh, trends for types of characters or types of storylines, specifically within the lesbian fanfic community. So um, it's a super fun interview. Take a listen. So we're talking today to Olivia Janae, who is a lesfic writer. So Olivia, would you please tell us your pronouns and how you identify with the term femme?
2: All right, uh, pronouns, she, um, femme, I fall on a weird scale. I don't really have a name for it, I guess. I'm from California, and I look like I'm from California in that I am a very big hippie, Uh, so I like the big dresses, I like the big flowy shirts, Um, but I also really like pressed jeans and heels and nail polish, so, I don't know, is there a level right above chapstick? I think that's probably (laughs) where I would qualify.
1: I think we should just name it that, the level right above chapstick, yeah,
0: (laughs) good, or like, uh,
1: you're like, like a boho
0: femme, or like, um... I mean, fem yeah. maybe. Yeah, there we go.
1: I would say that works for me. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of your favorite pop culture them characters?
2: Oh goodness. Okay, hold on. Um, so are you looking for like in looks or you mean in character?
1: Well, that's a great question. And actually, we've had a lot of folks ask that question and talk around it. Um for some folks, femme is pretty specifically about how you present on the outside, and for some of them, it's more about how they act and how they move in the world. So do you have one of those that speaks more to you? Uh, honestly, I, yeah,
2: when I was thinking about these questions in advance, it really came down to a 50-50 for me. So I actually, I do have some thoughts on both. Right. Um, in character, uh, the first thing, of course, as I write both fan fiction and published works, the first thing that came to mind was fan fiction. And I came to my favorite character to write of all time, which is Aubrey from the Pitch Perfect fandom. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> my nerd side. Oh. <laughs> uh, most people don't care for Aubrey. You know, Aubrey in the movies, she's, you know, the class A bitch. She's the one that's causing all the problems. <laughs> but the delightful thing about fan fiction is that it adds complexity to the characters, you know, in a movie series like the Pitch Perfect series, uh, they don't have to have very much continuity in the characters because it's a comedy. Whatever's funnier in the moment is what they go with, which adds and creates a lot of really interesting character holes Mm. um, where in one scene, they make it seem like the person is this way and another they're this way. And Aubrey is the perfect epitome of that. Thanks to those plot holes, she's become so complex. Uh, she has so much going on, both, both in the movie and in fan fiction. Um, and that makes her so interesting because she's this strong, powerful archetype, right? She's this vamp in her clothing. She's this vamp in her attitude. But because of these plot holes, She also is so complexly heartbreaking, you know? Like there's this whole plot line here of her father and basically how she was never loved enough, you know? And so she takes that and turns this into this, this pressure to be perfect. She's my favorite character because of this. She's a puzzle to be solved. And I find that interesting. She's my favorite to write. Um, she's my favorite to read when she's done well um so she's the first person that popped into my head as far as looks uh go oh goodness so there's what i am attracted to as a lesbian i love the bet from the l word i love the regina obviously i love aubrey i seem to have a thing for oh, let's put it politely um Strong, powerful women. Yes. I was
0: about to say, I was like, you like power femmes. don't you? I do.
2: I have a thing for power femmes. I really do. Um, which is funny because I'm so not one myself. But, you know, that's a whole separate issue there.
1: i um, <laughs> attracted to what we are.
2: <laughs> no, and when it comes to being attracted to what I am, oh, goodness. Let's talk about looks for a second. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen the show The Fosters. Um, oh, yeah. It holds a special place in my heart as a married lesbian that just started a family and who plans on adopting. Um, so I have to talk about Lena.
1: Yes.
2: Who looks like me already. I, um, I'm mixed. I have the big curly hair. I, as I already established, I like hippie boho clothing. Uh, Lena is that person. I don't know if I want to fuck her or I want to be her.
1: Um, <laughs> The classic lesbian Emma.
2: Yes. Exactly. So in looks, someone like Lena, um, for a femme character, I love the way she looks all the time. I love the way she dresses. I'm on a constant, like, goal to find a way to make my hair just that perfect all the time. My goodness. In looks, I also, oh gosh, uh, if you guys watched Lost Girl, uh, Kenzie at the end of the show. Uh After she's been on Orphan Black, her look totally changes, and once again, it's very boho chic, Mm -hmm. uh, and I love it. Um, I also love Meredith Grey, and that sounds weird, seeing as how they spend 90% of the show in scrubs, (laughs) but the moments that she's not in scrubs, girl knows how to throw on a pair of Converse and a sweatshirt and look adorable. Uh, People who just look good, really casual, something that I can't quite pull off, but... Uh, those are who come to mind.
1: It's interesting. In all of those, you are talking a lot about this sort of complexity and sort of like sitting in a couple of different categories of strong and feminine or casual, but like really put together. And, and just, I'm just, I'm noticing that it's that complexity that seems to be relevant here. Um, I, I am still a writer. Uh, when it comes
2: down to... I just can't let anything be too simple. <laughs> like, it would be boring. Um, no, it's true that I do tend to like I tend to like that.
0: So, yeah. some of the questions that we've been asking people are about trying to figure out, as we said, whether uh, who who thinks of femme as sort of this identity or way of being in the world, and who thinks of it as as an aesthetic. And so, you look at characters from. Sort of both of these angles, right? Like who operates as a femme or as a power femme, as you seem to be really attracted <laughs> to in terms of characters to create, um, and who um, aesthetically presents in this kind of dichotomous space that Mariah was describing. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about fan fiction, particularly, and how it complicates or reimagines femme identity, maybe differently than mainstream media does, although you've just given us a lot of examples of how you feel kind of more mainstream properties are doing some femme-centric work already. So could you just tell us a little bit about how you see fan fiction playing a role in this?
2: Sure. Um, It's interesting because the two cross so much Hollywood and fan fiction. Um, You know, Hollywood loves beautiful women. That (laughs) is... the way it is um and fan fiction in so many ways obviously takes from hollywood so while we find these beautiful feminine women in movies we also find them in fan fiction um and that's great you know that's awesome yay to beautiful women goodness knows you know i love them but often the problem with these situations is they're highly feminine in a way that's unrealistic you know let's look at the l word and all of their characters, God, oh, they look great all of the time. <laughs> they're all high femmes, and again, I'm from California. I've seen it. I know this type of lesbian exists out there, but it's just everything is perfect all of the time, and that's not reality. Um, so, what I love about fan fiction is it creates some realism. You know, these beautiful women can still exist in fix, but they're humans they can throw on some sweats, they have bad hair days, they have morning breath. And when you look at Beautiful Women on the L Word or anything else, any Hollywood movie, you just can't picture them getting food poisoning. You know, you just can't picture them <laughs> brushing their teeth, you know? It's just not not what you see. So being able to see these women do everyday things, I feel like that makes them um, a little bit more understandable. We can connect with them better, which is something that we find in fan fiction, but not just that. It also creates a different scale. Fan fiction creates a different scale. You know, we are just talking about chastic lesbians. Well you don't see ChapStick on TV or, you know, in movies, not really. Um, maybe a little bit in some you know, actual gay-oriented films or television. But in general Hollywood, the concept of ChapStick or soft butch or even butch doesn't really exist, which is frustrating because the thing that we want, the thing that we look for, the think the reason why fan fiction exists is because we want representation. Yeah. You know, we want to be able to see things that look like us. So seeing these high fems, we just can't, we can't grab them necessarily. And so we can take them and we can turn Emma Swan, who is this badass with a sword. We can turn her into what seems right to us. This stick person who's on a little bit of a more realistic scale. More than that, Hollywood... The Butch scale doesn't really exist. As a matter of fact, it's often kind of shit on. You know, you see characters like the person of interest, uh, the character Shaw. She's this awesome badass who can kill people with a finger. You know, like she's amazing, but she's on the Butch scale. You know, she prefers to be less feminine. Um, You know, she can be Butch or on the butch scale 75% of the time, but then suddenly they're gonna force her into this dress. Mm. And in this situation that doesn't necessarily make sense for somebody of her character. My go-to with this is Jane from Rosalia Niles. Oh, she okay. is this perfect, I don't know, do you call her soft butch? I'm not really sure. Again, this scale clearly eludes me, but. She's not necessarily a high femme in any way, at least not in the beginning of the show. You know, she's got the sexy aviators and, you know, the blazer and the v-neck and she's what every lesbian loves, you know. God, I love her. But she's not allowed to be that. Yeah. Suddenly by the end of the show, they're putting her in these strange dresses that don't really make any sense at all for Jane in her, in her look, in her character, None of it. It just it doesn't make sense. Same thing. God, I have obviously I have so many examples. Um, once again, talking about Pitch Perfect. You know, we have Cynthia Rose, who was this amazing, totally sexy butch in the second movie. Third movie comes out, and suddenly she's on the fem scale again. Hmm. People don't all exist on the fem scale. That's just not reality for. You know, for lesbians, for heterosexuals, for anybody who falls, you know, anywhere in those lines, that's just not the reality. So go back to fan fiction. Fan fiction, who is created by and for all types of people, allows all types of people, whether it's femme, high femme, medium femme, well done femme, whatever, <laughs> um, as well as, you know, people on the Butch scale. It just, it, it opens it up for more. It's wonderful because, like I said, what we want, we want representation. You know, we want to be seen, we want to see, we want to be part of things that we're not necessarily usually allowed to be part of. So it creates a perfect little world for us to escape into.
0: I wanted to follow up on uh, something you were saying about some of these characters who maybe code a little more butch at the beginning of shows and then uh, find their way into femme, or uh, into more femme presenting, or more femme character attributes. And since this is a Hollywood problem, I wanted to ask you if you had any thoughts about why that happens on television, and if you see that in any way reflecting kind of cultural attitudes toward butchness as well. One question that kind of operates in the background of our discussion of what femme is is also, where have all the butches gone? (laughs) Um, So, you know, you're talking about this disappearance of butch characters from the TV landscape being changed as the course of the show goes on. So I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on that from like a writer's perspective or just a a critical television viewer and fan's perspective.
2: You know, it's so interesting because uh, you look at lesbian fiction, just starting there from from the 90s, and so much of it was butch-centric. Say all these books that originated in the Xena fandom. You know, neither Xena nor Gabrielle were necessarily overly butch, but at the time it was such a, it was a passion. It was, it, it, it was preference to have, you know, the board shorts and the Birkenstocks and, you know, the colored t-shirt. Nowadays it's true. It's its just not the same way anymore. Um, I think part of it has to be that, at one point, there was so much TV that was specifically for the gay community. And that's not, that's, we're kind of out of that phase. You know, there, there is no new L word. There is no new Queer as Folk. You know, we have the Fosters and, you know, it could just simply be that I am out of touch with certain TV shows, but it doesn't seem like those are really there. Um, so there's no outlet for that. And in the heterosexual community in Hollywood, I feel like there's a fear of a show or a movie becoming, you know, quote unquote, gay. We can't have a fully butch character. We can't have a a character that's even too far on that side because, oh, well then they're gay and we're alienating our straight community. Uh, Which I think is goodness. So often why, you know, these ships, you know, these couples that could exist don't actually get to exist is because, if we walk this line and we have a character like Jane, who is somewhat butch, but also somewhat femme, you know, we can get the lesbians, we can get the people who are looking for and who appreciate butch characters, but we can also get the people who maybe aren't aware or don't think of that character in any way as being on a gay scale. So it's it's this fear and I just think because of that in Hollywood, we've just started to take these characters that could be on the Butch scale, and we remove that. So we removed that from our community as well. I feel like there is this attitude that kind of pushes away, you know, the Butch persona to a certain extent, and not everywhere, but often because it's not what we see and what we want. You know, we see the beautiful woman on TV, we expect you know, we expect lesbians we, to look like that, um, whether that's r- realistic or not. Um, and it just doesn't leave room for the butch character, which is not necessarily right.
1: It sounds like you're talking a little bit about this chicken and egg problem, right? That, like, we're not seeing representation in TV and movies of more butch characters, but then also... Maybe people aren't expressing that in their own lives, partly because they don't see that represented, and maybe don't have models to, like, create that. Um, does that?
2: Absolutely. Does that Absolutely. Like?
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of moving into the next question that we were going to ask you, which is about when you're creating characters, are you thinking about their femme or butch identity specifically, or are you looking at more? um, nuanced facets of these characters and just kind of hoping that they fall someplace on the spectrum.
2: Oh boy, um, this... <laughs> it's amazing how much I have to think about this. Mm. Especially in published works. As a person who does have an attraction to IFEMS, I tend to find that my characters gravitate that way because that's what I think of. That's, you know, like, I consider myself to be on the fem scale as well. Uh, My wife is also on the femme scale. So that's just where I naturally go. And I kind of hate that because, again, it's what I was just saying, uh, there isn't enough representation. Um, And so I don't want to add to that problem. You know, I don't want to create only these high femme characters. Um, So, you know, I try to make sure I don't do that. But I also don't want to... I don't want to create any problems. For example, um, one of my stories, one of my fan fictions um, is actually one of my, my passion story. It was an original work that I turned into a fan fiction. And um, the main character is a woman who's in an abusive relationship. And her abuser is a stone butch woman. And that's something that... I didn't really think about at the time. In truth, uh, her character was created off of somebody who I knew. You know, she reminded me of this person. And that person happened to be highly butch as well. But that looks bad. That, you know, I don't in any way want to connect that, you know, this, the one butch character in my story is an abuser. Uh, that's terrible and not Accurate to the community, and I just I don't want that connection. That's just bad. Um, so I have to go and make sure that I'm not alienating, but I also have to make sure that I'm being inclusive, and that is complicated. Let alone when I go into fan fiction, you know the the archetypes are already there; they're already created. We're using somebody else's work in a way. Um, so I have to make sure to stay true to the character. But one of the main um, pairings that I write is Swan Queen, which is Emma Swan, Once Upon a Time. And she's an interesting character because she is on the fence. But I think often in fan fiction, we tend to make her a little more butch, which is great. Um, So I have to find a way to keep her in character while also adhering to what my readers would expect while also trying to make sure, once again, that I'm not being part of the problem. Um, I don't know that I always strike a good balance. I'm human, you know? Um, But it is, it's, it's one of the main things that I have to think about and make sure that I'm doing well, let alone that it's just true to the character and interesting to read, you know? Like we wanna create something that is interesting to read to all types, which means, all types need to be out there. Hmm. So yes, it's, it's a huge, huge
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if you could just think, uh, name some of the ways that you might code a character as femme in your writing.
2: Um, well, I tend to go for the lipstick wearers, for the dress wearers, the high heel wearers. But not just that. I grew up in a very strictly religious household and so I tend to have a thing for matriarchs and not just that I also t- I'm, I'll, I'll be real I'm basically a housewife um <laughs> I enjoy cooking and cleaning and all of that and I also tend to put more of a typical and use you, you my air quotes here gender role into my femme characters as well um the ones that like to cook, the ones that want to be the child carriers, you know, um, things like that. I think my, my upbringing very much comes out in my writing, in my femme characters, in that they tend to be a little more traditional.
1: That's interesting. I know you through the Swan Queen fandom, um, and one of the things that I've been noticing is in canon, Regina cannot have children, and yet in fan fiction, she is mostly the one who has children. And I think that's a femme-coding situation there, which I find fascinating.
2: No, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It, when it's also pretty messed up, right? Like, so is Regina less feminine because she can't have children? What does that say about our society?
1: Um, I think that's actually, like, one of the really interesting points is is when, if you can't participate fully in what femininity is supposed to be, air quotes again, Um, is there a place to claim this sort of femme identity? And that's so much of what the conversations we've been having are about. But to see that in a character where where almost the fan fiction world is like course correcting and going, no, you do get to claim this part of femininity. I find that interesting.
2: It's interesting and it's also a little depressing um, because it creates creates this like very specific box that you have to stand in and it's, difficult because why do we get to necessarily decide what is going to be feminine? You know, um, but that's definitely what we're doing in that situation. So, yeah.
1: So, uh, who
0: is your femme icon? This is the question
2: that... Got me stuck.
0: <laughs> I has a lot no. of people, <laughs> to people, including including your podcast hosts. <laughs> we're asking
1: this question. We're like, I don't know. Yeah, it took me like a month to come up with somebody.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I again, I I had to think about this a while, um, and I finally came up with an answer, and it's a weird one. Um, the The person that. I came up with the most, again, I grew up, like I said, in a very religious household, like the matriarchs. Um, Olivia is actually a taken name that I use in my real life, uh, working on a name change. Uh, But it originally came from the character Olivia Walton from the Waltons, (laughs) which exactly, that's usually the response I get, which when I admit that I love the Waltons and that I own every season and the movies. But so someone like Olivia Walton is somebody who I love. I have a weird love for Bonnie Hunt. Um, I find her amazing and so sexy. And, you know, she's not what people would normally, you know, put in the sexy category. But it's because I, I love matriarchs. And she just feels like such a, I guess, yes, a matriarch. So the person that I came up with, was Ruth from Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh. Uh, good <laughs> one.
1: That is a I good love
2: that reaction. That was amazing. <laughs> um, Fried Green Tomatoes. God, Iggy and Ruth were my first lesbians when I was young.
1: As was for many of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah.
2: And when I was young, I was sure that I was just madly in love with Iggy, you know. She's just she's great and oh gosh, I love her. I love the actress. But as I've gotten older, I've found that the person that I really identify with and I really love is Ruth. Uh, She's the ultimate wife and mother, you know, but she's also this silent pillar of strength. You know, this is the 20s. And look at all that she did. You know, she turned away from this conventional life. And instead of, like, staying on the, you know, the typical beaten path, she goes and opens up her own business with, you know, the town. Bragamuffin, I don't know, uh, the crazy woman, you know, the wild woman, uh, she takes away her child from his father, who is an abuser, all of this in the 20s, you know, this, that that's, that's mind-blowing when you actually think about it, she's just, she's such a strong woman that I just, I, I love her, and once i thought of her i was like oh finally i have an answer <laughs> <You know? laughs> she she definitely is who i would think of and again it's it's weird because it's not you know maybe so who people would normally come up with but yeah i'd say she's probably my number one
0: that's great i love that response and actually i think you telling you saying that you love matriarchs has made me realize what the, my answer to that question is because like uh, I've answered this question before as saying like, well, aesthetically, Gwen Stefani, obviously, but that's what I would just answer for like my style icon, right? Like, but mm-hmm. if we're thinking about femme in terms of like character traits and you talking about matriarch specifically, I was like, oh no, it's Emily Gilmore, one hundred percent. I love okay. a boy. Do- I love a doyenne who knows her place and knows. It. She's such a power femme, right? But like, she knows everything and runs everything from perhaps behind the scenes of her social position as somebody's wife. Um, and I love the moments on Gilmore Girls where Emily gets to like bust out of that. I like older ladies. I like them a lot.
2: uh, I'm right there
0: with you. Yeah, I know, I was like, oh, I've I've discovered something about you that is also true about me. So thank you for (laughs) saying that. What a great femme icon, I love it. Tell us a little bit about where people can encounter your writing, both published and in the fun spaces on the internet. All right, so
2: there are these magical sites. Uh, Fanfiction.net and Archive of Our Own um, are kind of these meccas when you're looking for fanfiction. You can find them in other places. Uh, Older fanfiction tends to live on like LiveJournal and so on, but for me, for anybody who's currently writing, you wanna go to those two sites uh, and you'll find everything. Every movie, every show, everything. Um, As for mine, you like Pitch Perfect, (laughs) if you like Girls, Um, if you like Once Upon a Time, that's where to go. Uh, Even my published book, Um, I hope to have more of them out there, but my two book series right now, uh, The Loudest Silence, is on Amazon, and it was originally a Swan Queen fan fiction. Um, It was an alternate universe, which means I took the characters and put them somewhere totally different. And yeah, that's on Amazon and I'm on ff.net and AO3. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Great, cool. Thank you so much
0: for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. No problem, no problem. Um, One of the things that I really loved about what Olivia has to say about her as a writer and her as a person, because really, I think for her, those two identities are pretty inseparable. Um, is her attraction to powerful women and to matriarchs as part of her femme identity. Um, And I thought that was super cool to add to our discussion because it was less about aesthetics and more about practices and ways of being. Um, And some of those she talks about, uh, you know, being pretty highly traditionally gendered, but also somehow
1: subversive, which is a really interesting route for that conversation to go. Yeah, and I think that that ties into this comment about complexity in a character and how that's interesting for a writer. But I think also the whole reason why we could have an entire podcast about femme identity is that it really is about a complex set of uh, identifiers, and that all of us are really interested and in some ways attracted to those depths of character.
0: Yeah, she also talked about um, complexity in this interview, specifically around aesthetics, right? Like, she's talking about, like, Meredith Grey mm-hmm. as a person she sees primarily in scrubs, but then has this kind of, like, effortless casual femininity in, like, sneakers and a dolman top that just looks yeah. right. And a few times you see her out of scrubs. Um, which I think is also interesting given how many folks we've spoken to so far who really define their sense of a femme identity in terms of these very performative aesthetics. But Olivia has this very different sense of what those aesthetics mean. And often it means occupying a couple of different positions. Like maybe you're a power femme at work, Mm-hmm. And then when you come home, you are a pile of hot garbage. <laughs> I am describing myself.
1: <laughs> well, right. And this is the other thing about fan fiction is it allows you to get into the, into the, the scene where you come home and you turn into a pile of garbage, right? <laughs> Which generally doesn't get shown in any sort of media, um, but is actually really great to see yourself represented. Like, I love reading about characters who feel like me. And yeah come home from work and take off the cute dress and then put on the god knows where these pants have been sweats i
0: like knowing that you like really domestic versions of fanfic and that your version of fanfic is not like the supermarket au that's my okay <laughs> the supermarket au is my favorite fanfiction trope Which, let me explain for a second. So it's the idea that you take an entire universe of characters, let's say the Avengers, and you imagine what it's like if they all worked in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite because it's so funny. (laughs) It's just funny to imagine. And I bless you if you are a person who writes supermarket AUs. Mm Because I love the way that you think about social relations as, like, indebted to capital structures, <laughs> but also I think it's really funny that Bucky Barnes might be a butcher, because definitely, really funny. That is. It's good. <laughs> so I like that you are um, perhaps a bit more grounded in your exploration of these characters, and That you're, you just, you wanna see them have the relationship that they can't have on screen for whatever reason. Yep. Um, And actually, our next interview is gonna pick up a little bit on this and thinking about relationships in pop culture and what we see on screen and what that means for us. So, um, our action item for you this week is to tell us who you ship. So we want to know your preferred fem slash fanfic pairing. And you, of course, get to define femme however you want to define it here. But we are looking for characters that you could establish with a reasonable argument <laughs> as femmes. And uh, tweet at us and tell us who your favorite femme slash pairing is. If you'd like to give us a story
1: about, oh, I don't know, how they met. Or uh link to your fan fiction that you've already written. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. fine, too. Mariah would love to read that. I would that. love to read that, actually. I read fan fiction a lot on the bus. Please give me some good commute reading. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tweet that at us. I'm at Stevie Costa. And I'm at Trick Switch. And please use the hashtag FemsInAction so we can find your amazing ships. Our theme music is Arcade Montage by Lee Rosevere, which you can find on freemusicarchive.org.